Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. I invite your attention to Titus chapter number 1, Titus chapter number 1, and I want to begin reading there with verse number 4, Titus uh, chapter number 1 and verse 4, amen. Let's, Let's keep on keeping on, let's keep on leaning into times that we are a part of right now seeing what God has in store for us. I believe he has great things in store for us. We're living in the age of opportunity. Amen. We're living in a time when we need and we can have apostolic revival. Can you say praise the Lord to that? Oh, come on. Let's say it with a strong voice. Oh, God, I thank you, Jesus. Titus chapter 1 and verse 4, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine or striker, nor not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers, deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, whose subvert whole houses teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans, are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. I want you to notice verse 5, for this cause I, or for this cause left I thee in creed, that thou shouldest set things in order that are wanting. And then he goes on to say that this was the purpose and the reason for his appointment to Crete. 
I just want to preach uh, for the next few moments from this subject, the trouble with tolerance. The trouble with tolerance. Amen. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray that God's blessing and his anointing would be upon the remainder of our time together tonight. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. It's already anointed. We're praying you'd anoint both here and speaker of the word tonight. I pray it in Jesus' name. We thank you and praise you for everything you've done. Bless us tonight in the name of the Lord. Worship him again. Let's give praise to him. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We know that the great apostle Paul was in many ways what we would term as a missionary today. Apostles, maybe not a term that we use as much as we once did. We don't think of modern day apostles so much, but we do have them. They're part of the fivefold ministry. And apostles are overseers of a work in an area or maybe a nation, a country. And this was what the apostle Paul would often do. He would go in, as a missionary does a lot of times today, and he would establish a work. And then he would set a younger man or someone from the area perhaps to come in and to take over that particular work and grow it, progress and do the will of the Lord and establish a church there and then from there uh, begin to grow even the more to other places and other cities. And this was, this was the work that the Apostle Paul was doing. And he appointed this young man, Titus, uh, to the work there in Crete. We understand that Crete is one of the largest islands, Greek islands of the Mediterranean and uh, evidently, from reading this and even study of history, you'll find that the Cretans were not a very good lot of people. Matter of fact, uh, the only way to describe them is that they were bad people. They were people that uh, were not, not the folks that you would want necessarily to be left to build a church with. Maybe even some would think that these are not uh, people, material that you can build a church upon. Nevertheless, Paul went there and had success there, and then he turned the work over from what we can surmise from Scripture to Titus. And he says, the work is not finished. It's only just began, Titus. He said, but for this cause left I thee in creed that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. Crete, we understand, was again one of those places that there was a lot of things as far as spiritually that had not been set in order. There was a lot of things that needed to be established in Crete. And it was this young man's task. Uh, he was uh, given this appointment by his elders. And isn't it a nice thing to be able to have uh, the blessing of an elder and uh, the favor of an elder? But not only that, he had the anointing of the Lord upon him and the favor of God. And I just want to say again, as I say often, that if God calls you to something, 
He will always equip you for the task that he calls you to. He never calls anybody to be a failure. He never calls someone and places them somewhere uh, to not be able to do what needs to be done in the spirit. Or neither does he allow them to go there just to be unsuccessful. He wants to bless. If he brought you to a place, then he will establish you and he will work through you. And if he calls you to do something, then he's going to help you. But Paul is admonishing him and reminding him, you're just one young man. And as all youth, it's easy once you get there to be influenced by your surroundings and the environment that exists in Crete. And you've got to be very careful that you don't just join in with them. You've got to be careful that you don't just become like them. Uh, Don't leave it the same way that you found it. And don't learn to tolerate it and get by and simply exist. But he tells him to set things in order. There's some things that need to be established, and I've got confidence in you that you are able to establish them. And he said, rebuke. Where they are wrong, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And earlier than that, he talks about the common faith, the faith that all of us have, the doctrine that all of us should believe. That is the common faith. Just like the writer said, earnestly contend for the faith. This is not the measure of faith that all of us have in our belief in God and His Word. But this is the doctrine that we have been taught. The faith. He said, you have a common faith and I want you to continue to instruct them. If need be, rebuke them so that they... A man could be sound and established, in other words, in the faith. Can I just stop right here and say that there needs to be, there must be in all of our lives, preaching and teaching that we adhere to that establishes us and helps us to mature in the faith. Because if we're just staying static in our relationship with God, if we're just staying at the same level in our relationship with God, we're not fulfilling the complete will of God for our lives. Because God did not save you to not grow from that point onward. But He saved you so that you could continue to abound in the grace of God. So that you could go from glory to glory, as the Bible said, and faith to faith. Amen. When you graduate and make it through one situation and trial, your faith is stronger. But it's stronger so that you can face new things and grow in God to new places. And greater promises and blessings can be fulfilled in your life. I believe it's the will of God. I trust that you believe it's the will of God that every person in this church be blessed by the Lord. Living a life in this earth that is expanding the kingdom of God by the way we live our lives. It's not just the way we talk and it's not just our witness that expands the kingdom of God. All that is a part of it. But I want to say to you tonight that the way we expand the kingdom of God is that God puts resources in our hands. God blesses His people that are under the sound of my voice. 
I believe that he'll make us the head and not the tail, just like the Bible says. I believe that he'll set people up. Amen. And he'll put them in a position where they can be blessed. He'll put them in positions of influence so that people can witness the kingdom of God going forward. I don't believe that because you're an apostolic, you got to drag around and simply get by. But I believe that it's the will of God that every person that has the power of God through the Holy Ghost abound, be blessed, continue on, and to grow in God. I believe God wants to bless every aspect of your life. God wants to grow you in every aspect of your life. And we need to yield to that and open our heart to that because that is how the kingdom is going to be expanded. Amen. He said, as as the waters cover the sea, so shall his glory Oh, how it'll flow and and feel the face of the earth. He said in the book of Isaiah, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. In other words, as long as you and I are in the earth, we ought to be expanding. We ought to be kicking out the walls, as it were. We ought to be taking down barriers and having breakthroughs. Oh, come on. It's not just about the breakthroughs that we've already seen, but I believe that God wants to give us more breakthroughs, more blessings. There's more where that came from. We're serving the same God who has the same power, has the same strength. Come on now. He wants to bless you. He wants to expand you. He wants you not to be satisfied. He doesn't want you just to exist. Amen. But he wants us to increase. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. There's no limitations with God. He said, I'm able to bless exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. It's us that puts the limits on God. It's us that puts the perimeters on God. It's not God's inability. It's our inability to believe God and trust God and think that He can do it for us. Praise God. Praise God. Now you've heard me, you've heard me expound on that particular scripture before and talk about how that the writer said it's seeding abundantly. That's almost like Double emphasis there. It's seeding and abundantly. If I didn't make my point, I'm going to say it again. In other words, I know it's seeding, but it's abundantly too. Above all, almost like a third underscoring of the same thought. Above all, that you ask or think. When you ask God, it's because you believe. And you would have to agree with me that most of what you receive from God comes as a result of what you ask Him for. Oh, I I appreciate those pleasant surprises that we get from God. I appreciate those times when God moves upon us and we're unawares of it and and it happens unexpectedly. But I'm going to tell you that's not the norm. Most of the time what you get from God is a result of you praying and asking God for it. You desire it. That is the word of God. That is the laws of the word of God because the Bible says uh, they that hun- blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Hunger comes before you're filled. Oh 
quenching of thirst. You've got to be thirsty. You've got to desire it. You've got to have a hunger for it. You've got to pursue it. He said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open. Amen. The Bible said, seek and ye shall find. Those are all action verbs requiring you to do something, requiring you to say, you know what? I want more of God. I'm hungry for more of God. I desire more of God. I'm not satisfied with what I have at this point. Hallelujah. And and so we ask him. And sometimes we got to add that I-N-G to it. Sometimes it's not just a knock, it's knocking. Sometimes it's not just one time to seek God. Sometimes it's seeking God. Because God sometimes tests our determination. God sometimes tests our willingness to trust Him and to continue to have faith when it seems like there's obstacles to it, when it seems like there's barriers to it. And so we keep on knocking. We keep on seeking. We keep on believing. We keep on asking. Amen. Because we know that God is able. God can. And we put our trust in Him that He is going to intervene in the situation. And so we continue in it. But the writer here goes beyond that. He goes a step back further and said, I'm not just going to talk about the asking. That's needed. But you will never ask God for anything that you don't think, first of all, He is able to do in your life. I know I've spoke about this in times past, but I just feel like emphasizing it again because it's so, such a powerful principle in our relationship with God, such a needed thing. He takes it a step further back and he said, you will probably never ask or have the confidence to ask for anything that you don't think, first of all, that God is able to do. So he takes faith to the thought level. He takes faith to saying, how big do you think your God is? Because he's able to do whatever you ask him to do. But what needs to happen is you need to expand your mind. You need to expand your thought of God. You need to expand your thinking about God. He's bigger than what you think he is. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how big and how wonderful and how much you've seen God do so far. I'm telling you, he's bigger than that. Because his seeds and he is abundantly and above all that we could ask or think that word is true and so if you think God can do it he can do that and even more I said if you think God can do it he can do that he can save he can deliver he can bless he can work do you think he can why don't you take it to the asking level now and say I'm going to start asking you for it because I think you can do it God Come on, let's lift up our voice and give some praise to him right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said you're going to need to set some things in order, Titus. And he goes on and he says, uh, don't give heed to the culture that is there. Don't, don't listen to the commandments of men, the traditions of men, Jewish fables, those will turn you away from the truth. He said, but set things in order. 
In other words, what he's really saying, if I could condense it down and paraphrase a little bit, he's saying nothing's going to change in Crete until you confront it. And can I say to you tonight that nothing changes in your life until you're willing to confront it. Until you get sick of it being like it is. Until you get so sick of the situation being as it is that you make up your mind. I'm not just going to live and exist and survive with this and pretend that nothing's wrong. I'm going to face up to it. I'm going to confront this thing because I need it to change. Come on, that's the law of science. That's the law of science. Uh, things don't move from, from, from uh, chaos to order on their own. But they move from order to chaos if left alone. That is a law of science. Amen. It takes intervention. It takes intention. It takes somebody getting involved to set something in order. So if something is chaotic, you got to do something and you got to intervene because it's not going to correct itself on its own. How many times do we come to church and sit on pews and just think, this is going to, if I just ride this out, if I just get by with this, if I just keep on keeping on with this, uh, sooner or later, this is going to change. Sooner or later, this is going to get bigger or better. Uh, sooner or later, this is, this is going to change for me. I'm going to tell you, that's not how it happens happens. Amen. You've got to stand up and confront that thing and look it in the eye and say, you know what? I'm going to change it. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to get a hold of it. I'm going to get the discipline of prayer if that's what's needed. I'm going to worship my way through it if that's what's needed. I'm going to let God use me and have faith to believe here that he can change it. But one thing's for sure. I'm not going to exist for another week. I'm not going to go for another Sunday and walk out of this place without victory without deliverance without the help of God something has got to change hallelujah got to set some things in order amen I know that there's been a lot of discussion and there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of debate about dominion and I don't believe dominion like the charismatic movement believes dominion but I do believe it's a bible word and I believe it's spoken of in the scripture many, many times in different places. And I do believe that we, ourselves, need dominion. You know, I have control of the space. You know, that's kind of a new thing right now. Uh, you're in my bubble, especially all the social distancing. You're in my bubble. Uh, that, that was really going on before that. But, you know, uh, say places and all this kind of stuff. You're in my bubble. That means that you're making me uncomfortable coming into my space. You know what? In a spiritual sense, that's not a bad thing. You need to take dominion over the space that God has given you. Hallelujah. And you need to say, devil, I'm not going to let you get in my bubble and talk to me and convince me and, and, and deceive me into believing that what God has promised he's not able to fulfill because I happen to believe that he is able to fulfill it and I believe his word is true and I believe that you're a liar and the father of all lies 
I'm not going to let you talk. Come on, some of you need to say as of tonight, devil, you're, getting, you're not getting in the car with me. You're not going home with me. You're not going to stand over my bed all night and take sleep away from me. You're not going to worry me and fret me anymore. I'm getting you out of my bubble. I'm, I'm getting you away from me tonight. I'm taking dominion over the space that God has given. Depression, you can't enter into this bubble. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the peace of God. I got the comfort of the Lord on the inside. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands. But in our Christian walk, you've got to decide what you're going to live with. What you're just going to exist with. In your Christian experience, you can keep making do. You can keep patching things up. Keep repairing and cobbling up. You can have a duct tape, bailing wire experience with God if you want to. Don't everybody act like I'm speaking Greek up here. You know what duct tape is. I got a feeling some of you know what bailing wire is. You know what it is to cobble something up, put it back together, make it work, try to finish the job. How many ever had tools at this time, man? When you need them, when you need them, you know, the battery's dead. And then, and then it doesn't, you know, it's, it won't hold charge. And you know, I found out in life, you get what you pay for a lot of times. I remember, I remember when I was a boy, we had a big acreage there. And my responsibility, my parents believed in work, believe me. And they believed in a lot of it. And uh, there was a, uh, a big area that we had to mow. And I was so happy the day that we got a riding lawnmower, even though it was probably, at that point, 10 years old, wore out. And, uh, man, I was happy when they unloaded off the truck, got on that thing. And you know what I found out? It was so wore out. There was a reason why it was sold at such a great price. When you got into thick grass, it threw a bell. And you talk about a real challenge to get that belt put back on there. You finally horse around and get that belt. It's a real challenge for a 10, 11-year-old boy to get that belt back on there. And then uh, be something else. I mean, it would start sputtering and spitting and uh, firing wrong and something was else wrong with it. And on and on. And it seemed like we got new pulleys put on it, new belt put on it. And they told us, said, well, this this, this belt that's on this lawnmower, man, it's too old. You need to get another one. So we got another one. Put it on there. Well, it wasn't long until that thing started blowing up, started coming off. And so it wasn't just that. And then it was something else. And, so, and we, we had to put tires on it. The tires got weather cracked, and, and uh, they went flat. And, and so the lawn, you know, with one flat tire, it looked, it looked pretty bad. It had like, you know, that kind of slanted look. And uh, so anyhow... It was one thing after another. And I, I got to the place. It was just, it was just, man, one thing after another. And, 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 and finally, my dad, my dad decided, he said, you know what? We're just going to get a new one. You talk about shouting. I was excited. I was happy because it made work a whole lot easier. I won't say it made it fun, but it made it a whole lot easier when you had the right equipment. You know, sometimes we can be satisfied with replacing when we need total restoration. 
We, we get satisfied with just coming to church and getting a new part put on. And if I can just make it another week, but we get in the deep weeds again, and all of a sudden the belt flies off, and we're, we're, we're broke down all over again, and we got to start over the next Sunday. That's not the will of God. God is a God of restoration. God is a God that can make all things new. God is a God that can not only repair, but he can totally bring it to, to restored order. He can make things right so that you don't have to continue to struggle with it. Oh, I don't want to just keep repairing something that is destined to fail, but help me to be restored into the likeness of God. Help me not to keep fixing things when I need to confront things and say, you know what? There's no room for you anymore. I can't live with this anymore. Something has got to change. Oh, yes. Come on, let's give some praise to him right now. So I just got a, a few things I want to leave you with tonight. First of all, we need to refuse to live with barriers. When I talk about barriers, I'm talking about limitations. We need to refuse to live with limitations that God has not placed upon us, but the enemy has tried to impose upon us. Or we allow somebody else or ourselves and our lack of confidence and insecurities to place upon us. You know, it's good to stretch every once in a while. It's, it's good to get out of your box and do something you've never done every once in a while. It's good to allow yourself to expand into possibilities. You know it may not work out that that's the direction God wants you to go, but you have to be willing to try because you'll never get out of those perimeters and you'll never you'll, you'll never get beyond them if you don't oppose them. If you just continue to shrink back, the devil will take every bit that you give him and he'll keep Keep pressing it down until he has you narrowed down to just being someone that just notches time on the pew and comes to church and you're not really engaged and you're not really seeing all that God has for you come to pass in your life. And you're just a survival mode saint. I'm going to tell you that again is not the will of God. You can live in the abundant blessings of the Lord. I want to just tell you, you can have joy. I just feel like saying that. You can have the joy of the Lord. You can have the peace of God. You can know what it is to wake up in the morning and not have fears and worries plaguing your mind. You, you can know what it is, is to have uh, comfort and rest in your life. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm talking about having comfort in your life and a rest. The Bible says that this is the rest. Talking about spiritual things wherein the weary shall rest. I'm going to tell you, the devil can beat you down and beat you up. But if you got the Holy Ghost, you can be restored. You can be rejuvenated. You can be renewed. You can get your joy back. You can get your fulfillment back. You can get your peace back. And so I'm sensing right now 
in the Holy Ghost that there's people here that wants to believe. They want to embrace. They want to grab hold of what I'm talking about. But there's something within you that continues to nag you and say that if I try, what if I fail? If it doesn't happen, amen, if it's just pie in the sky, then then what if I, I, I have another disappointment? I don't know if I can handle another disappointment. Well, can you handle staying where you are in that place spiritually stagnant another day? I say not. God has blessing. It's worth a try, friend. I said it's worth a try. Step out of the boat, Simon. You can walk on water. God has something for you. Israel was 400 years in Egyptian bondage. And if you'll read in the very first portions of Exodus... Chapter number 2 and verse 24, the Bible says that they finally got tired of it. They had tolerated it and got by with it all of these years. And finally, something began to, the one word that is used is groan, and they cried by reason of their bondage. They began to cry out, and the Bible says that the Lord heard them. It was almost as if God was saying, that's what I've been waiting on right there. It is a discontentment to arise up out of my people. As long as they're content to stay over there and live under the perimeters and the barriers and and live within those limitations, then then there's not much I can do. But the time that they start desiring to be something more as a people, the time that they start desiring deliverance and freedom from these barriers and bondage that they're under, that's when I start blessing. That's when I start working. And it almost seems like the wheels started turning when they started crying out to God. When they started, I'm going to tell you what happens when the saint of God says, you know what, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to take this to God in prayer. I'm going to start getting up in the morning and talking to the Lord. I'm going to start seeking the face of God. I'm going to start calling on His name. I'll tell you what happens. God, amen, starts moving. And God starts working in a person's life. Come on, lift up your voice to Him right now. Let's give Him praise again. Refuse to live within barriers. Second of all, you need to refuse to live with barrenness. Rachel, she got to looking around and she saw her sister, Leah. I mean, it seemed like God was blessing her, having child after child after child after child. And she despised it, the Bible says. And finally, She looked at Jacob and said, give me children, else I will die. Amen. You can find that in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1. Give me children, or else I die. I can't live with this. I'm not going to live with barrenness. I'm not going to. It's not even a choice. It's not an option. It's not a good alternative. I'm not going to just exist with this. 
I'm not going to be satisfied with this. You know, that's the attitude that a church has to get. I'm not going to be satisfied uh, when people are not being spiritually born. Give us children. Let children be born into the house of God, into the church. Let revival break out. I don't want to be satisfied with barrenness. There can't be barren altars. There can't be a dry baptistry. There can't, there can't be nobody receiving the Holy Ghost. We're not going to get by with that. We're not going to be satisfied. If I got to knock doors, if I got to get out and pass out flyers, if I got to witness to somebody else, if I got to talk and persuade someone to come to the house of God, whatever it takes, God don't ever let me get satisfied with barrenness. Can I talk to us tonight, church, and just tell you that we all need to be unsatisfied. There's many that are, but there needs to be more that are unsatisfied with barrenness. That means from everything we do around here, it needs to have a focus. Every song, every musician, every singer, every word that is spoken across the sacred desk, every Sunday school class, Every fellowship program that we have, everything has a purpose. It's not just for us. It can't be just for us. We're not, we're not that selfish, I hope, but it's for others. We're wanting others to be reached. We're wanting others to be saved. We're living our lives, looking around, helping, help me, God, to be sensitive. There's a soul out here, someone that needs you, someone that needs God. When you go to work in the morning, you ought to be thinking that there's somebody that I'm working beside. There's somebody that I'm going to talk to today. They're in need of God. They need the Holy Ghost. They need what I've got. I want to be able to express it to them. I want to live a life before them as a good example so they'll want this. I want to have joy that spills over on them that they'll say, I don't know what you got, but I want some of that. Amen. I want there to be such a peace and serenity when I come into the building that people say, you know, when I'm in your presence, I just feel something. I'll tell you what that is. That's the Holy Ghost that I have on the inside of me. And I want to tell you, you can have it too. Oh, yes can't be satisfied with barrenness somebody has to say give me children else I will die and then lastly refuse to live without the blessing and the favor of God in your life yeah you need to refuse to live without the blessings and favor of God in your life Jacob and we could talk about all the fallacies and the flesh and the carnality and, and all the areas of his life that he got it wrong. But the Bible did say Esau I hate and Jacob I love. You know, both of them had a, their blind spots and both of them had their inconsistency. But the one thing that God said I can't overlook and that I can't abide with and the one thing that I despise in Esau is because he doesn't have any desire. He don't have any syrup in his bucket. He doesn't have anything there that desires anything from God. It's just like radio silence when it comes. It's just like nothing, nothing is there. There's nothing. It's like, it's like a, 
electric socket that the breaker is, is flipped and there's no power there. You, you try to check it and, and it shows nothing. It shows no wavelengths. It shows no electricity flowing through it. That's the way that I feel about Esau. When I, when I check his spirit, I don't sense anything. There's no life there for spiritual things. There's no desire or hunger there for spiritual things. But Jacob, he may not always get it right. And, and sometimes he gets ahead of the will of God. And sometimes he does things that I prefer that he wouldn't do. But there is one thing about him. He desires my blessing. He desires, uh, amen, more of me. He wants uh, the favor of God in his life. I just wonder if there's anybody here that wants the favor and the blessing of God in your life. You want God to bless you going in and coming out. You want God to bless you on your job. You want God to bless your family. You want God to bless your home. You want God to bless, amen, the things that you put your hands to do. Remain standing with me. I I just want to go a little further with this. I want to talk about it a little bit more. The Bible tells us when Abraham sought the blessings of God, God said, I'm going to bless you. But I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to be a blessing. And his legacy we're still talking about to this very day. Because this was a man that said, I'll be a funnel that God can flow through. And if you will bless me, God, you'll pour into me. I promise you, I won't damn it up. I won't stop it up. I won't hold it and be selfish with it. I'll let it flow. That's the key to being blessed is allowing things to flow through you. Anointing comes if you're willing to flow, let it flow through you. The power of God, the promises of God, the glory of God comes as you're willing to let it flow through you and not be hindered in it. And say, God, I'll let your favor. And it didn't matter what circumstance. The Bible says that when Joseph was in prison, the Lord's hand of favor was still upon him. And God elevated him in the prison house to be the leader of all of those that were there and the influencer of all of those that were there. And finally, the news came to the king, Pharaoh, that that this man is a man that can interpret dreams. And that's how he eventually got out of the prison. I'm going to tell you, no matter what circumstance you're in, if you'll let God use you, and if you'll continue to keep your spirit and attitude right, And let the favor of God flow through you and say, you know what, God, you didn't give me what you gave me for me to just have it for myself. But you gave me what you gave me so that I could be a blessing to others. If you gave me talent, it's so that I could be a blessing to others. If you gave me some type of ability, it's so I could be a blessing to others. If you gave me a skill set, yes, I'll make a living for my family with that. But God, you gave it to me also to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Come on, we need a kingdom-mindedness. Not our kingdom, not what we can get out of it. We need a kingdom-mindedness to get a hold of us. We need a God's kingdom-mindedness to get a hold of us. To say, I'm building up the kingdom of God. Yes, God's using me. God's directing me and leading me and providing for me and my family through these things. But God... I'm also being blessed so that I can build up the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And favor 
favor of the Lord is something that God uses and that God, amen, can anoint and that God will continue to expand as long as we don't try to keep it for ourselves. Amen. I feel the special touch of God here right now. I feel the hand of the Lord in this house right now. Let's, let's reach out towards the heavens right now.